biggest games. Events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. And the biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I, I thought it would you be asked for in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel Gu, and I'm joined by Jacob, Christina, and Tyler Shea, who's on the phone. Our wonderful producer, Trika, is on the other side of the glass today. First off, Happy New Year's, guys. How are you doing? Happy New Year! That's Happy New Year in Korean. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, I'm doing okay. It's kind of nice to be back in the office. I've been on the road slash on vacation for like the past month, so it's it's nice to be back and kind of get back into the workflow. Right. Tyler, how was your New Year's? My New Year's was great. Now I'm sick. So <laughs> 2017 is starting out on a low note for me. Hopefully with LCS coming up, uh, it'll perk up, but yeah. Starting 2017 on a low note. Oh, Happy no. New Year's, everybody. I'm sorry, Tyler. Happy New Year's here. Have a sickness, basically, 2017. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> well, Tyler has graciously offered to be one of our guests today, so thank you, Tyler. Also, Xinyan Kwaila and Feliz Año Nuevo. Oh, my God. Linguistics major over here from Harvard. Um, so fancy. I know. Um, Christina speaks so many languages, it's always... It's always like a, a breath of fresh air every time. Why, thank you. Um, all right, but let's jump into the podcast. Um, let's wrap up 2016, guys, because a lot happened this year. Or, excuse me, a lot happened last year. Let's talk about our teams of the year, because I think that 2016, we saw so many interesting kinds of teams. We saw dynastic teams kind of solidifying themselves, and we saw surprise teams who really, really, um, for lack of a better word, surprised us. Um, Jacob, who are some of your teams of the year? Uh, my teams of the year are pretty clear-cut, I think. SK Gaming slash Luminosity Gaming for their wonderful success in Counter-Strike. Um, and then additionally, I would probably say SK Telecom uh, for their big win at Worlds and, and also their win at MSI. And and then last but certainly not least, Team Liquid across all of their games because uh, they they had some really big wins, especially in the fighting game field. So. Yeah, Team Liquid fighting game players, man. What they about you, well. Christina? Uh, so for me, um, well, Rocks Tigers is the for- first League of Legends team to ever truly steal my heart. Um, so uh, R.I.P. Rocks Tigers. Well, their old roster anyway. Um, and then, uh, so I was really impressed with Envious's Overwatch team. So, you know, this is a very new esport and, uh, you know, ripe for uh, organizations to come along and really establish something cool. And uh, Envious not only won the um, the Apex Season 1 uh, OGN event in South Korea, meaning they like they're uh, you know, a Euro- European team or a North American team with European players that then took first place in South Korea, which is kind of nuts. Um, but then they also won MLG Vegas. And in both cases, I think they swept the grand finals. And um, in both cases, they had some weird thing to overcome. Like at Apex, pretty far along, they lost one of their top players and had to. Uh, but the sub who came in was amazing, Mickey. Um, and then for MLG Vegas, they actually didn't get there until like the day of their first match, which had to be rescheduled because of visa issues. So they were basically playing on like no practice. So would you say this is like a dynastic team in the making? Can we see more of this greatness from Overwatch? Yeah, well, I, th- I think we'll definitely... I mean, Envious is the, the team to beat right now. 
Um, so I'm really excited for them. But, you know, I'm not sure about Dynasties. It's worth um, noting also that Envious probably deserves a little bit of props for their time in Call of Duty as well. Yeah. They, were, they were really, really good. Uh, I, I would say if we're counting teams that we consider everything, it would probably Envious would probably be on that list as well, at least for a nomination. Well, and, I want to throw it to Tyler really quick. Um, Tyler, what are some of your teams of the year? Well, my top team of the year is obviously Faker. Oh, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> but basically one. Faker. He's well, not the one man army, know, though. You know, Faker. You got four other guys. It's it, it's okay. Uh, SK Telecom won. I mean, League of Legends is starved for international tournaments. We have we have the big three. We have IEM Worlds. We have MSI, and we have Riot Games World. So we have three big tournaments: the Triple Crown. SKT won all three. They they swept the board. They in the five major tournaments they played this year, they only failed to win one, which was uh, LCK Summer, which they lost in a reverse sweep to KT. Which was, you know, I'm gonna say it was anomaly. Like it's KT. That was a series that I would not say should be counted against them, especially when uh, the other teams of the year, in my opinion, had slip-ups, like Luminosity SK Gaming for CSGO would be my number two. It, they, if they could have rode the wave into the second half of the year as strongly as they started, I would have had them as number one, but CSGO has now entered this parody era where it feels like every other week a new team is winning or a new team is like Optic or Stigatoss, now the North, or, just pro. or you know, are now trying to, you know, be number one in the world. So I'd say those are the top two. Okay, cool. Um I have one more I have one more team shout out, which is OG. Go ahead. Oh. Because okay, Ice Frog, right? The legendary creator of Dota, he had never written anything on his Twitter, even though he has like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands or millions of followers or whatever. And when OG won the recent the the Boston Major, Ice Frog tweeted at them. Interesting. And it was it was historic. But did OG win the international? No, but they have won two majors, which is no small feat. That's true. I don't, I don't know. I mean, if like, anything, I thought you would be the proponent of Wings Gaming. We should give a shout out to Wings Gaming. I mean, well, yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, the captain was 18 years old and he won what? Like $2 the, million. The total, the total I, ha- I had to write it out today and something. The total that they won was $9.13 million. Collectively, their captain which is, is 18 years old. So. And you divide that, you probably take an organizational cut and then divide it by five. You're probably looking at like $2 million each-ish. So, I'll never like forget the moment where I, where I met Wings' captain. I, I had the chance to talk to him after they won the international. And I asked him, how did he do it? Because, I mean, going into the international, they weren't exactly the favorite to win. But he just told me, I don't know, we just did it. So that was one way to cap off that tournament for me. And it was a memorable moment for me. Um, but let's jump into the next topic, which is players of the year. Um, my qualifications personally were who had the strongest year um, and who had the year that really resonated with, with me the most. So personally, I chose Bion and Faker, but I want to hear what your takes are. So why don't you kick it off, Christina? Um, well, I'm, I mean, Tyler and I are very agreed on Bion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him take Bion, uh, actually. But I want to give a shout out to TSM Zero and Super Smash Brothers for Wii U because, like this this guy, I mean, you know, the past year he won the Guinness Book of World Records for Gamers Edition World Record for longest streak of Smash uh, Smash Brothers tournaments, 
And like he was, uh, he had a really good beginning of the year when he won Genesis, and then he kind of like Evo. He wasn't doing so great, but then since Evo. Um, he he has won seven first place finishes. Unfortunately, not including his own two GGT saga. But anyway, and this guy, I follow him on Twitter. He's so nice. Uh, like that zero, you have my heart. It's funny to think too because it, uh, right after Genesis, he took a bit of a break and he was really concerned about being bad. And he uh, he's come back and definitely proved that he is far from bad. Yeah, uh, he's definitely. very very good. Uh, and I I would say that. Going into 2017, he will definitely be one of the top players alongside the likes probably MK Leo and Anti and, and Ally and Nairo. So, um, yeah, but, so certainly Zero is deserving of nomination there. Um, let's jump into Beyond because um, me and Tyler both have him at the top of our list. Um, Tyler, why don't you elaborate? Uh, while I don't think Beyond was the most dominating dominating player of 2016 i would still give that to faker as obvious and boring an answer that is he's still the greatest of all time in you know league of legends won three big titles but in my mind there was no better story or no better representation of 2016 than beyond he he did something that as someone who got into StarCraft in, like, 2007, 2008, when, you know, being on a pro team in Korea was the was, was it. You were either on a pro team or you were nothing. You worked up. Like, you were, you know, a practice boy who, you know, who did the dishes, you know, practiced the B-teamers. You, you had years to go before you even, you know, were on stage for the first time. Beyond one the biggest tournament in the world in StarCraft II, the GSL, without any team. He had no support. He was essentially blacklisted by a lot of the pro league teams, and he had to practice with, you know, Neeb and, you know, a few other Koreans on foreign teams. He had no support staff, and he literally was the one-man army. And it's incredible to think that he won that tournament, and then ironically... A month later at, you know, the BlizzCon finals, all the Pro League players now are teamless, and he's on a team. So he, he and he won that tournament, so he did both. He, he, it's just, he's an awkward, charismatic, weird, awkward, like, he's, he's just an enigma. He's, he's, he's not a prodigy. Like, when we talk about best esports players, they're usually prodigies. They're usually like, oh, he came out of nowhere, and now he's number one, or, or, you know, this kid's a wonder kid. Like, it's all about prodigies in esports. Beyond's not a prodigy. He's been playing this kid for six years, and he, he, he worked his way up through, like, calluses and nerve issues and finally won the big one. He's he's uh, incredibly, unbelievably hardworking, but he's not a machine. Like, he's he's so human, which is just really amazing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for Faker, it was all about further cementing his dynasty with SKT, which is sort of the same story every year, but for Beyond, it was kind of overcoming all the elements. He's dynamic, he's bombastic, he's so memorable. It's like the perfect underdog story that's finally come full full way. I, I don't want to, like, before we move on, I, I don't want to, like, forget about uh, a certain player, and that would be Cold Zera from, from mm-hmm. Luminosity and SK. He was... As someone who coming into to 2016, he was looking hot. Like when when they had the the DreamHack Winter 2015, uh, I think it was second or third place. Well, when they had that finish that was right after like a, a week after the roster changes in that team, uh, it was it was very 
noticeable that Cold Zero would be very good, and he had a great year. He was for what Fallen was, and and Fallen just recently got nominated for Forbes Thirty Under Thirty. But for what Fallen was as a great leader in that team and a great opera in that team, Cold Zero was all the firepower, and and he really. He allowed the rest of his players uh, to be strategic because you could always depend on him to make the right shots. You could always uh, depend on him to, to really give him any gun and let him let him run wild. And and that in particular, I think Colt uh, Zero is very deserving of a nomination. Yeah, absolutely. But the next topic we're going to talk about and jump into next is the biggest plays of the year. And it's fitting that you were talking about Colt Zero because... Um, Counter-Strike, there's my awesome segue. Um, let's talk about the biggest plays of the year because you wrote something up that was really funny um, in your biggest plays this year. Why don't you talk about it? Uh, yeah, so we, we wrote about Summit 1G's, uh, his premature celebration at DreamHack Austin, and uh, I remember being in the crowd for that play. It was it was great. So basically uh, he threw a Molotov, and and then later, uh, after you know celebrating and fist bumping his teammates, he was a stand-in for Splice. Uh, he walked through the Molotov and ultimately killed himself, giving CLG the round and the entire series. So uh, Summit Summit is uh, deserving of of some mention just because he he made the biggest play or one of the best plays of the year, but not for himself and his team, but for CLG. Well, <laughs> it was it was one of his teammates who threw the Molotov, though, right? I yeah. don't think. Yeah, yeah. So, because uh, you, yeah. you see, you see earlier in the in the cam that Jason R gets a kill off a of Molotov, yeah. and and then he walks through it. That like, makes it so much worse. It it, it makes it's it so much so worse because the funny thing is they Dreamhack panned uh, like on the stream. Dreamhack panned to his face, and he's like sitting there uh, fist bumping Davy, and then you just like he's just like oh, he's just like this. And all the emotion just leaves his face, and and then like they switch back and they and they do the, like the replay, and they realize that he walked through the Molotov and killed himself. If you want to check out that video and our content on the biggest plays of the year, you can go to ESPN.com slash esports. Um, let's move on to the next topic, which is the rookie team of the year or player that surprised you. And I want to throw this to you, Tyler, because um, we had a lot of new teams come in this year, especially with um, Overwatch and League of Legends. Um, what was one team that really surprised you? One team that really surprised me. One rookie team. Hmm. I think right now I can't really think of a rookie team. I can think of a rookie player that really impressed me this year would be uh, Ruler from Samsung Galaxy, okay. who I feel was, I think he's not even close to his full potential yet, but he is a AD carry that kind of goes against a lot of what people think of Korean AD carries. He's, he's wild. He's very aggressive. He's in your face. He makes some Stupid decisions sometimes, but as we saw at the World Finals against SKT, his, you know, overzealous, like, flashes in and, you know, Ezreal, you know, flashing in and and injecting himself into these team fights actually did work and actually did lead to Samsung making a big comeback versus SKT in the series. He's, I would say, made, like, with Imp, you know, in China with his $5,000 dog bags and Twenty thousand dollar T shirts. He's he's the best we have when it comes to you know missing imp in Korea. So Ruler was my rookie of the year, and I think he is going to be even better in two thousand seventeen. What about you, Jacob? Uh, Magic Boy from uh, the North slash Team Dignitas. I think that he, he's not necessarily the rookie, but this is his first big uh, professional break that he had come into and played with the Team Dignitas team. And my goodness, was he, was he something else? Like he he like Cold Zera, he was a hefty 
he's young and he's really good uh, in terms of firepower and really allowed Team Dignitas to have their like short burst that has now landed them with one of the the biggest uh, soccer teams in the world. Like that, that's he is someone that I expect a lot out of next year, and and he had a lot of great moments this year. What about you, Christina? Okay, so uh, I've thought it all, uh, I thought a lot about Dota too. So, um, Wings Gaming, technically, they all got together at the end of 2015, or, like, August of 2015, but still, like, that's that's a, a huge story for me. And then also, I would say Digital Chaos, not because, like, all their players are new necessarily, but they, they totally had to reform around Resolution in, in March of 2016, and, like, that, that game, of course, is very uh, all about synergy, right? It's like you, you have to be able to work together really, really well. And then they got second at the international. Like, what is that? So, uh, you know, shout out to Digital Chaos, man. Right. And I think a really good way to wrap up this entire segment is to talk about the eSport of the year. And How are me, we defining this? I know. It's, it's a lot <laughs> to cover in a little time, but I think we can manage. Um, obviously... There's so many, there's the big three, right? League of Legends, there's CSGO, and there's Dota 2. But I just think with the new up-and-coming esports like Overwatch, it's really easy to see maybe one of the big three fall. But that's a discussion we're going to have in the second half. But let's talk about our esports of the year. Let's start with Jacob. Uh, mine is mine is Counter-Strike. I think that, um, I mean, we there was our peak uh, concurrent viewership uh, record broken at the very beginning of the year at MLG Columbus. I believe the number was 1.7 million people watching all at the same time, which is pretty crazy. Um, I think that Counter-Strike really came in full. I think that it was very well-noted and well-touted in 2015, but I think between investor money and also between uh, just a lot lot more fans coming into the Counter-Strike scene from other esports, I think that Counter-Strike is, is very deserving. And I, I would say Overwatch, but uh, as much as it accomplished a lot of its accomplishments are for are like for the future a lot of a lot of what it's done a lot of what blizzard is doing is for next year not this year so i think this year 2017 yeah this year 2017 instead of instead of uh what they did in 2016 will affect 2017 instead of 2016 affecting 2016 uh and so i think that that you know if we're talking new best new esport of the year i think overwatch is obviously uh the winner but i think uh, overall, I think Counter Strike had had the best all around year. It, w- it was nothing too. It, it it changed the most from 2015 to 2016 in comparison yeah, so, to its peers. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I was asking about like how we're defining this. Like for me, it was Overwatch for innovation, CS:GO for just growth, that that Delta, and then I mean you can't really beat League of Legends for audience, right? They had like 14.7 million concurrent viewers peak at Worlds, and then you can't beat Dota for money. They had a 20 million dollar prize pool at the international. Well, not innovation in terms of, I meant more in terms of what kind of defined the year or what esport really was memorable and had that viewership that kind of blossomed. Um, Tyler, what do you think? I'm going to go off the beat here. I think Dota, CSGO, and League of Legends all had very good years, but I don't think any of the three really transcended over the other. So uh, I'm going with Brood War. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because last year, I mean, 2015, it looked dead. It was a dead esport. But now there's over 100,000 people watching the Africa Star League in Korea with, you know, the the return of these big stars. So Brood War is on the rise in Korea again. Well, StarCraft 2 is, you know, uh, 
pretty much that in Korea, to be perfectly honest. Oh my God, Tyler! Like I, you read my mind. Like in the in the next segment, you know, I I definitely wanted to talk about Brood War, but yeah, you're my Brood War's back, baby. You should Brood see, War's back. You should see Christina's face right now. It's literally glowing, She's smiling so happy. ear to ear. Um, we're gonna take a short break right now, but when we come back, we're gonna talk about what we expect from esports in 2017. And we're back with the ESPN esports podcast. Now, guys, let's look towards 2017 because we have an entire year ahead of us. And let's stop. Start off with our with my favorite question, which is: If you had one wish for esports, and it could be any wish you want, so don't let the limits of reality confine you. What would that be? It can be outlandish; doesn't have to stay in you know possibility. But esports itself is not confined by reality, so why should our wishes be? That's an excellent point, Christina. Do you want to start off? Uh, yeah, sure. So my wish for esports um, is, and I've actually heard this from a lot of different people in the industry, especially recently, is to just make it better to be a player and especially like easier, clearer, better to actually get to that pro tier. Um, we saw, you know, recently Bryce Blum has just... Uh, has just launched his new esports law firm. You know, rep- legal representation is a huge part of that. We've seen the the launch of AnyKey, which is a sort of a think tank group that looks at women and minorities in esports. I would love to see more women and minorities in esports. I think just like expanding that player pool will be fantastic for esports as a whole. And it's going to be hard to do that without making things better uh, for the players, both from like both with within the players themselves and also from uh, other forces in the industry. Okay, Tyler, what about you? I have three big things I would I would implement in 2017. First off, every every team or player in, in esports must have a theme song that they come out to when they play. Hey, I was I was at, I, I was at CEO when that came into effect. It was pretty great. I, I'm down. We need a theme. Number two, more fog machines. Down with we that need too. Fog machines. At how will you event. be ever? How will you be able to see anyone at the at the grand finals of any I'll, tournament? Any photographer who well, listens to our podcast just says, "Screw you, Tyler." Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, the, with the way you're going with your list right now, I really don't ever want to see if a genie appears in front of you and asks you for three wishes. <laughs> All the fog, I, I just want so many fog machines. And finally, trophies are outdated. They're lame. No one likes trophies. Bring in championship belts. Give people belts to wear. That's my that's my dream. So let's do it. Wow, so CEO is, is ahead yeah. of the curve. Yeah, let, let's, yeah. let's, I was about to ask Tyler, when are you going to CEO with me? <laughs> I, next year, let's go. Let's go to Bailey. Championship belts for everybody. What about crowns? Like actual crowns? What about big giant metal plates? Oh my god, <laughs> this completely derailed. <laughs> One of the coolest things was in StarCraft 2 when Life, R.I.P., who who is now banned yeah. from playing anything ever again because of his mistakes, but back when he won GSL for the first time, because it was his first season in the GSL and he won it, they gave him a sword. Which what? Was, which was, yeah, they gave him a sword. A real sword? Well, you know, like I, a sword made of metal. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Also, the Golden Mouse Award in Korean StarCraft is pretty cool. Is it really a Golden yeah, I feel Mouse? Like yeah, yeah, it, it has variation. gold in it, and it's like shaped like a mouse, and it's like, yeah, it's it's, it's neat. Jeez. Like, what, what, I mean, Faker's won three world titles. I feel like if he wins another title, they should just make a character of Faker in the game. 
They should just make him a bust. Like, they should just make him yeah. a Baker bust <laughs> to have his Or pulling trophy. a statue outside Riot. Like, I, I feel like there needs to be a bigger incentive for, for winning Worlds if you've won it already three times. I, I like the statue idea, because that's something that NBA teams do with a lot of their Hall of Famers. I mean, one of the big things that's being constructed. Yeah, at the moment, Hall of Famers like Magic Johnson. And-, and if you look at, like, Shaq, he's getting his own is getting his own uh, statue outside of Staples. So, he is I mean, actually long why, overdue. Why don't, why don't we get, a, why don't we get a, uh, a faker statue outside of Riot? Like, that, I'm down with that. Good <laughs> idea, Tyler. <laughs> and and a, matching virtual sta- a matching virtual statue. So, like, when you, when you watch League of Legends games in VR, like, there's maybe there's, like, an option to have like Fakerson next to you. Wow, this is not what I expected when I asked this question. We're very creative here. Um, that, no, that means that League of Legends has to do VR though. Dota VR was interesting. I did that throughout the year. That was fun. All right. So what I had from on my list was franchising. Um, well, I like the idea of relegation for soccer. Franchising is just so much more interesting. You form these bonds for teams, and that goes into my next point, which is geolocation following in the footsteps of Overwatch, which we'll see if it succeeds or fails this year. And speaking of Overwatch, let's talk about Overwatch because it's kind of an unexpected eSport. Like, we don't know if it's going to fail or succeed with its plans this year. It's definitely hitting the ground running. And, uh, yeah, to to connect with my point about my one wish for eSports, one of Overwatch League's stated goals is to make it really clear, like, how you get from being at the top of the online ladder into a combine into, like, getting into one of these teams. So I think that's going to be really cool. What do you think, Jacob? I think it's a little overly ambitious, a lot of what they're trying to do. I think that the ideas are good at face value, and I think that they're taking a lot of notes from traditional sports. But I don't think that Overwatch as an eSport is ready for a lot of this. I don't think, uh, I mean, one of the things that we talked about before the show was that geolocation kind of hurts uh, hurts branding for a lot of these teams because you have to realize that many of these teams that are in the U.S. have European players, Misfits, Rogue, uh Envious. Envious, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And all they have European players, so if they geolocate stateside, uh, not only are they going to have to continue to get their players' visas, but they're also going to have to, you know, be like, I don't know, the Charlotte Envious, because that's that's where they're based and where they like where they rep. So like, if they're going to be the Charlotte Envious, what like what what are what is everybody going to think when they have European players like that? It seems like a really terrible branding idea, and and frankly, like. We can't have a billion L.A. teams either, which is something I'm sure will come up sooner than later. Someone's going to have to get the L.A. spot. On the um, other hand, like, if, if an eSport wanted to introduce something like this, like, the time is now, right? I think, the, I think the time is now. I just don't think that Overwatch is the, is the one to do it in. And I, I, think that it's, I think that a lot of the Overwatch League is overly ambitious. And I think it's really important for Blizzard to either make or break here. I think that they really have to succeed with Overwatch straight out the bat because all their other eSports are, like, Kind of in the gutter. But don't you think that it's easier to become a fan of an eSport if it's already geolocated somewhere near you? Sure, but then you have to think about how many people play Overwatch in the U.S., how many of those people play about or care about eSports, because that percentage is tiny in comparison to people who play a game versus how many people care about the competitive part of the game. It's probably like a 5%, if that. But eSports arenas sell out every day. And yeah, yeah, but that a lot of that is because people travel, and 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 that's also because there's multiple teams that they're fans of. Whereas they, I mean, a lot of the fans that I meet aren't fans of people near them. I I went to like I went to the E League uh, season two or season one finals, and there were a lot of Virtus Pro fans there, and they're all and like these are kids from Atlanta, and Virtus Pro is a Polish based team. I think geolocating by country 
is not a terrible idea because I think that does give people – it gives people a sense of pride. And that's one of the biggest things in Counter-Strike is that there's a Brazilian team and everybody likes a Brazilian team or there's multiple Brazilian teams. There's Swedish teams. There's Danish teams. There's Polish teams. Uh, there's CIS teams like, you know, Ukrainian and, and Russian. And, and then they're like – Doing it to an entire country makes sense, but doing it to one city in particular seems a little ambitious. And something you wanted to talk about earlier was CGS. Yeah, CGS is uh, in, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, this is 10 years old. They tried it 10 years ago and it didn't work. CGS was so broken in so many ways, dude. Like, I, I was I there when it, wait, when it wait, shut wait, wait, down wait. and I let's, talked to those people. Let's rewind. What is CGS? First? It's the championship gaming series. And it was DirecTV, Mountain Dew, and a few others that, that band together and ran the CGS. And it was basically an online league for various different games, most notably Counter-Strike Source. And it was a complete clown fiesta. And a lot of the people have made it out of that uh, into very successful careers. I mean, notably is Jason Lake, the owner of Complexity, was a part of it. Jason Katz, who is the, the what is his title? I think chairman of PEA. Uh, that was his thing, and then Richard Lewis was obviously a part of that as well and is now uh, a veteran esports journalist. But CGS overall tried geolocation a little bit, and it didn't work. Yeah, I, I just so. really don't think that CGS can be you know a, a good precedent or a good example for this kind of thing because it just yeah it just failed so hard in so many other ways. There were like acquisition issues involved with DirecTV getting sold to another company, and uh, it's just you know it's been so long and things have changed so so much. So I, I just I, I just don't think things have changed. I think you're right, but I don't think that things have changed enough for geolocation to work, at least not on a city level. I think that on a country level, yes, or maybe even a state level. But I, I do not think that, like, I don't know, the Charlotte Envious or, or the Miami Misfits, like, whatever you want to call them, like, where these companies are located, I don't think geolocating them to one city is a good idea. Tyler, do you have any thoughts? Are you waiting to root for someone named maybe the L.A. Immortals? Uh, Well, this might be a weird comparison, but... Uh, when I see the Overwatch League, I'm reminded of the XFL, which I don't know if you guys Ooh, know what I know that what the is, XFL is. Yeah. The Extreme Football League. I feel like the you know, so the XFL was supposed to be a competitor or a a more fun version of the NFL. It was created by Vince McMahon of the, of WWE. the WWE. Yeah. So it was a pro wrestling inspired Football League, where they did a lot of innovative things. They, they cut promos they, just like WWE does on, on yeah. their network shows. <laughs> yeah, it was very ambitious, and it was and it did great ratings the first week. The first week it was huge. Everyone was like, "Oh man, the XFL! This is so innovative. This is crazy." But in the first play of the XFL's uh, tenure, a player broke his collarbone. Like, like it was from the start. It was very ambitious, but it was short sighted. I think that the Overwatch League is like that. It's very ambitious, and it's going to get a lot of play in the media. I think the first few weeks will be huge, but right now, Overwatch isn't killing it in the viewer count. And I think that's something that people aren't talking about. That's the elephant in the room. I mean, Agreed. some of the biggest tournaments are only getting what, like thirty, forty thousand viewers at like the peak. That's not great. It definitely doesn't seem sustainable, like especially for as much as they want to do with this Overwatch League. And just on the notes of the X XFL, I'll do a shameless plug. Thirty for Thirty is coming out with an XFL documentary in February. So, right. okay, uh -huh. so let's move on. <laughs> uh, can I can I say one thing before we move on? Yeah, of course. Um, I just want to say that like. Blizzard is a very long-term thinking company. Like, I've worked for a bunch of game developers, and I, I haven't worked for Blizzard, but I'm pretty familiar with them. 
And like they, they are looking at this as a long-term play, and they are looking at this as a risky, interesting long-term play, not super conservative, like something that EA would do, for example. So I think there's a lot here that we just don't really know about, which is why I'm excited about it. I'm, you know, not like I'm not saying it's gonna. Uh, it's going to succeed 100%, but it's really worth watching and cheering on. Yeah, I definitely think so too. And I think we all just have to remember that in the end, the developer can try and make an esport happen, but it all depends on the people who play the game and the viewership. It depends on the community. The community really makes the esport. Um, and that is a good transition to my last topic, which is let's talk about traditional investors entering the scene in 2017. What do we? What do we want to talk about? About oh, so investors? much to talk about. Um, let's. You have a lot to talk I about, Jacob. I, in, Come my, on. in my notes, I wrote Jacob will give a big wink, wink, wink. Oh yes, I have a big wink, wink, wink that we may or may not see uh, new investors within the next few months or so. Which uh, you know, keep keep locked on ESPN.com/esports for all of the the breaking news when it comes to investors. I mean, we've seen a few end of the year, right? Like we the Axiomatic deals finalized uh, pretty end of the year. I mean, one of the notable ones is two and a half million dollars for for Wesley Eddins and uh, and Ryan Eddins and their and their investment and Fortress Investment Group's uh, venture with Cloud Nine Challenger, which uh, we will see how that pans out. This this uh, split, I'm not expecting a lot, but I, I think that uh, a lot of more investors will come in 2017. I think that a lot of people are are looking to get in. Uh, one person that uh, Christina and I were talking about earlier that I'm really interested to see how they do. Is uh, Sebastian Park, formerly of Archon in the Houston Rockets? Which yeah, they, formerly my coworker. I actually yeah. like helped hire him at our former coworking company. Yeah, oh, super, how cool! Super, super smart dude, Yale graduate, and has uh, the Rockets have a lot of money, so I suspect that he will use it wisely. I have trust in him uh, based off his his former Archon endeavors and everything else that he's done, and a lot of what he couldn't do, from what I know, was because he didn't have the access to the money to do it. So now he does. So let's let's see how uh, things pan out for him. I think that we'll see a lot more football teams. I think we'll see uh, actual team association finally, besides just like the 76ers or FC Copenhagen or, or PSG or Schalke. I think we'll see a lot more of that. Uh, but what I really hope for 2017 is that overall uh, that we see money used wisely. I think that uh, a lot of people are undervaluing how important it is to hire a good manager or uh, to do the kind of the liquid method where – you basically keep your CEOs, um, and yeah, I think that it's incredibly important that you hire the right people. Otherwise, you have really poor investments like uh, Echo Fox League of Legends and Echo Fox CS:GO. Uh, not to take away from their FTC holdings. And Watch there be a book someday called The Liquid Method, okay. and it'll be all about like Team Liquid and esports. What if um, I write that book? Christina, oh boy. <laughs> let's let's talk about VCs and angel investors looking to enter the scene. Yes. Um, so I uh, before I came to ESPN this year, I spent six years working in Silicon Valley um, at a bunch of different tech startups, especially ones that were related to gaming. Um, and actually, recently I went back and visited over the winter break and talked to a partner, uh, a friend of mine who's a partner at a, a VC firm there, and he was basically just like frothing at the mouth to ask me about esports. So I sat there in his office with him and one of his one of his colleagues, another one, a partner at the firm, and we just talked about esports for like an hour, which you know in VC time is it's very very dense and compressed, right? And he said that. Uh, VCs in Silicon Valley and startups are just like really fascinated by esports, partly because they think it's uh, it's this new wave that the kind of thing that doesn't come along very often, like computers or the internet or mobile. Computer and sports, 
it's something that we we frankly are never going to see in its time like until it like if it if it were to die it's not going to happen again instantly so, yeah, yeah and uh and they're also fascinated by it because it's like a tech thing but they don't really know what it is so um and and then we also saw elon musk uh, at BlizzCon, he was cited there. And for those of you who don't know, Elon Musk is this like legendary figure in Silicon Valley. Oh, he God, founded. If you, if you don't know who Elon Musk is, like you should be reading the newspaper. He founded SpaceX. He was the co-founder CEO of Tesla. He's worth like eleven or twelve billion dollars. He was ranked twenty-first on Forbes' list of the world's most powerful people last month. Like this is this is really interesting stuff. There were other people at BlizzCon worth citing too. Sitting next to C9 Jack were, was Robert Kraft of the New England Patriots. Patriots. That's a, that's a very interesting person to uh, to have by your side. So I'm, I think that uh, there will definitely be a lot more investment. I just hope it's used wisely. Let's move into our final topic. Well, we're kind of running out of time, but Christina, I know you wanted to make a comment about StarCraft and its run at the end of 2016. Yeah. So I was thinking about this, like, you know, where are we going to be at the end of 2017? What are some of the stories that are going to be really interesting? And for me and probably Tyler and many other people as well, it's going to be the fact that that Brood War, which is based on a game that's essentially unchanged since 1998 and has like 1998 graphics and like is not meant for broadcasting to be an esport at all, is coming back in a very, very significant way in South Korea. And, uh, I mean, it's like, you know, uh, what if there was a, a new form of basketball called Spaceball and uh, you know, Kevin Durant, like, played Spaceball and oh, then he was like, oh, I want to go back, I want to retire and go back to basketball. Everybody would be like, what? Well, yeah, yeah, Space Jam. <laughs> space but that was, that's like more Michael Jordan's era. Um, but yeah, that, that would be unthinkable in like professional sports. You can't go backwards. Like it's, it's like a drive through. You're only going forwards, right? So the fact that this is happening and that like Brood War and StarCraft 2 are going to coexist, not as like huge esports, but just like actual esports in the world is like, it's really interesting. And it's definitely something that esports offers the world that uh, other things just don't. Right. And for those who don't know, Brood War is sort of the esport that kicked off everything. So without Brood War, there would basically be no esports at this point. Yep. Um, that's that's where SK Telecom got its start, right? They were one of the founding teams of Brood War. Wait, what are you talking about? They're only known for League of Legends. Bah. <laughs> all right. One, two, three. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's a great way to wrap things up. We're all out of time, but thank you, Tyler, Christina, and Jacob for joining me. And a big thanks to Tarika for helping us make the podcast happen. If you want more esports content, check out ESPN.com slash esports, or you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Rachel Younggu, at Jacob N. Wolf, at Pina SC, and at Fion on Fire. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.